change from what I said on Wednesday a few days earlier. We're actually going to start a new series today. Um, I did have one more lesson planned for salvation, but I was going to do more on salvation in the fall. And with school, I mean, we only have like a few weeks left until school's out and stuff. So I wanted to go ahead and talk about this next series before any of that happened. We'll get to that rest stuff in the fall. But um, we've kind of been talking all year, starting in January, about, you know, we have this cross up here talking about reaching people for the Lord, reaching somebody in, in your life or your circle of connections for Jesus Christ. And that was kind of why I started off with talking about salvation. So we had a little more knowledge of what we were talking about when we talked to people about Jesus. We're actually going to do for the next four weeks um, and, and more if we if we need it is get down to the more practical aspect of actually sharing the gospel with people. You know, what, what, how do you actually do it? Or what are some helps you can have to do it? Or um, what are some things, some hindrances we can take away from doing that? And this is a topic that I'm particularly passionate about because of my own life story when it comes to evangelism. When I was growing up, I was not a very evangelistic person. You know, I would invite my unchurched friends. I would invite them to come to church and that kind of stuff, um, like any good Christian would. But I never personally talked about Jesus to anybody. I always just brought people into church. And the reason why is because I always looked at that and said, well, you know, the pastor's better than I am. I don't really know what I'm doing. They probably won't want to listen to me anyways. And so I just didn't do it. Um, and all that changed though, for me, when I moved to Texas, because I started seminary in Texas with my master's degree and you have to take evangelism as one of your classes. And I took a class under a guy named Dr. Queen. And in this class of Dr. Queen, one of the requirements is we had to share the gospel at least 10 different times with individuals. So that he said you couldn't, it couldn't be a sermon where you told the gospel in, in, or a, a Bible study class. You had a one-on-one share the gospel with 10 different people. I'm like, that terrified me. Here I am in seminary, learning to be a pastor. I'd never one-on-one shared the gospel with anybody like that before. So the prospect of doing that 10 times in one semester as a requirement to pass the class terrified me. More than that, I didn't know anybody in Texas. It's not like I, I could just go somewhere to somebody I knew and talk to them. So what the seminary did is they had groups that would go out every Tuesday and Thursday and basically do what we would call cold start evangelism, where you just walk up to strangers and start trying to talk to them about Jesus. They did that every Tuesday and Thursday. And so I decided that that was how I was going to have to get my 10, 10 people in. And I remember waking up that day, and that was the first thing I talked about, I thought about, was the fear of realizing that that was the day I decided I was going to go out and do cold start evangelism. Well, it was probably half a mile from our apartment to the school, and the class and the meeting place was on the second floor of the evangelism wing. I remember every step going to that class thinking, I'm going to turn around. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to find a different way other than this. I remember going up every step to that second floor going, I can't believe I'm about to go out here and do this kind of thing. This is going to be awful. This is 
this is terrifying. I mean, I, I had literal sweats on my hip forehead by the time I got up there and it wasn't from walking up to the second floor. Um, but we met out there and we went out and I learned something. Um, I didn't die. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. In fact, it was e so easy that I ended up getting all 10 of my requirements through that method. And then I kept going out even after it was required. And for the next several years when we lived in Fort Worth before we moved, I still went out with them every, off every so often just because, just to do it. Because I realized it really wasn't that bad. In fact, it was actually kind of fun to go out and do it. And I learned something about myself and about really, and I think my story, it could be true for a lot of people. That is that there's things that we think about, misconceptions we have, fears that we feel that make us say things and think things when it comes to evangelism that in all honesty are not true. And that many, many Christians are 100% perfectly capable of sharing the gospel with somebody else without the help of a pastor, if they can just get over some of these obstacles that are, that are essentially fallacies that we've come to believe in about what it looks like and what it means to evangelize people, what happens when you actually do it. So for this first lesson, what I wanted to talk about is what is evangelism, what's not evangelism, and some of these fears and myths that we have about it that sometimes and oftentimes prevents us from actually doing it as Christians. So um, first, let me define evangelism for you, and then we'll, we'll, I'll ask you guys a question. So this is straight, I'll, I'll admit, this is a quotation from my professor, Dr. Queen, um, who's actually going to be doing an evangelism conference in Alabama in May. He said, evangelism has four aspects. It's the spirit-empowered activity. So it's not a human activity. It's a, it's a human activity powered by the spirit, where somebody who is a believer gives an intentional and verbal witness. So it's not something you can do accidentally, as if you just stumble into evangelism, don't realize you're doing it. Um, and it's not something that you do by acting it out. It's something verbal or written. Third, you give that witness deals with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the whole story. And fourth, after you, they witness to that story, you call the unbeliever to become a Christian too by repentance of their sins and faith in Jesus. So it's a spirit-empowered activity where you intentionally and verbally talk about the life, death, burial of Jesus and then call the person to be saved afterwards, ask them if they want to be saved. That's um, Dr. Queen, and I think it's a good definition of evangelism. So with that in mind, I want to ask you guys the question first. <laughs> what should not count as evangelism? Sometimes the best way to picture what evangelism is and, and how when we talk about that word, picture in our minds, make sure we're doing it right, is to look at what things are not and kind of take those off the table so we know we're not talking about those things anymore. So what things are not evangelism? Just inviting somebody to come to church. Yeah. That's technically not evangelism. Yeah. Now that's still a good thing, like still invite people to church. But when you talk about personally doing evangelism, you're not personally doing evangelism. 
if all you're doing is church inviting. To convince them how bad they are. So that's just telling them that they're bad? Yeah. Yeah. That's not evangelism. <laughs> <laughs> that you're right. Um, I remember dr- driving. I was at, I was going to a Christian concert, uh, Winter Jam, if you know what that is. We got behind a church van, and on the back of this church van, all it said was, the wages of sin is death. And that was it. Like, no rest of the verse. Y'all know the rest of the verse. Like, no rest of the verse or nothing. It just said the wages of sin. That's not evangelism. Telling people they have sin and telling people they're going to hell and that God doesn't like their sin is not evangelism. What's evangelism? Yeah. You know, you can tell people they're sinners, but also tell them God's solution to sin. That's evangelism. So, yeah, exactly. Just making people feel bad is not evangelism. What else? Wearing Christian T-shirts and having a fish on the back of your car. car. Yeah. Yeah. Not evangelism. Yeah. Give out pamphlets. I mean, to, to, uh, it would not, I would say if it's a track, if you're meaning like a track, uh, giving out tracks might be evangelism, probably not the best method of evangelism. If effective, you know, I've heard it working sometimes. Following up with a conversation, conversation maybe, but not usually the most effective means of doing evangelism, probably a waste of money in print more than anything. Michael, I was last week watching evangelism on uh, YouTube. Was called, it was called Living Water. You know, using the Ten Commandments on South Beach. Mm. Uh, you would think, no way this could be done before mm. they had a camera and everything. You know, Ten Commandments is harsh. Going, these people were absolutely fantastic. And, and how they got the people to respond to. So if they could do it there, mm-hmm. Lord knows where we live. I got to think it. I'm a teacher. I mean, this is South Yeah, that's where they go to the Ten Commandments and ask them if they've done everything. They go down because they always give them, like you said, they don't leave them. Yeah. Now, yeah. They tell them. They the tell them. It, the, what, the presentation is absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Of I course, think people do that. This guy's a British theologian, PhD, like, you know, I. He sounds really, really, really. He isn't a guy like me, but he's a redhead. I think people just with British accents sound smart. So, <laughs> so he, he was, he was you probably heard them before. Yeah, I probably have. Water. Yeah, and I've seen people use. I've seen people do that method before too. But I would have never thought that. Yeah. So what? What? What's not? What's well, not evangelism? Anything else that y'all could think of that's not evangelism? Um, maybe what's called friendship evangelism. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly you should be a, a good Christian in front of people, and that does help, but to be actual evangelism you have to actually talk to them about it. I mean, there's, there's out there. 
Yeah. Question about your four points. <clears throat> Why didn't you include the resurrection? I did. I don't think so. Death, burial, life, death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I missed. <laughs> Probably said it fast. All right. Well, let's look at some passages real quick. Um, somebody get First Chronicles 15, 1 through 5. Who wants that? First Corinthians, sorry, not Chronicles. A little easier. First Corinthians, New Testament, 15, 1 through 5. Somebody get Romans 10, 17. Uh, you said Ray, you said you would. Somebody get Romans 1, 16. And that'll be all we do for now. So when we talk about evangelism and the gospel, what is the gospel and how do you, what is evangelism when you share the gospel? First Corinthians 15, one through five is probably the closest biblical example of just giving a straight definition of that. So read those passages. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, but which also you saved, If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Yeah. So Paul says, I delivered to you the gospel, and then he says he preached it to them, so it's a verbal thing. He said you received it. So he also called them to become believers at some point. And then after a couple of verses later, he says, he lays it out for him. I like to a person for us that Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and rose from the grave according to the scriptures. That's the closest thing that I can think of to a definition of evangelism in the Bible. Um, so when we talk about what it isn't, I've got a couple, and we're going to go through these quick today. But one is what Josh said. It's the idea of use words when necessary. A lot of people like to quote St. Francis of Assisi, where he says, preach the gospel and if possible, use words. And the problem with that is, is, as Josh pointed out, you could probably get people interested or at least curious about Christianity by being a good person, but they can never actually be saved unless they hear the gospel at some point. So just being a good person can be a stepping stone, but it's not evangelism in and by itself. So Romans 10, 17 was Ray. Read that one for us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Yeah. So they actually have to hear or read um, the gospel in order to actually be saved. That's why that method is not true evangelism. Another one is the idea that um, taking somebody to a professional like a pastor, and if you bring them to a, the church or bring them to the pastor, then you're doing evangelism. And the strict sense of the word the pastor is doing evangelism, not you, um, in that sense. So someone look at what was Romans one sixteen. Um, I don't remember who said they had that. Roman. Okay. okay, Teresa. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Yeah. So this idea that a professional has to save people misunderstands that the the power to save is in the gospel, not in the person. So the pastor, he might have more experience, and there's some people that are definitely gifted with evangelism, 
But the real power is never in the person. It's in the gospel that he shared. Um, a third one uh, somebody mentioned was church events, just inviting people to church and having church events. Oh, I didn't bring it today. Um, the Georgia Baptist Convention, Convention did a study on their churches to see what churches were doing. This was in 2012, about nine years ago, to see what churches were doing evangelistically and how many people got baptized compared to how many people were in that church. So obviously big churches would baptize more people. So they did a ratio of number of people to baptisms instead of being total baptisms. And they found something interesting when it came to church programs. And that was that people perceived in churches that a lot of people got saved when they came to church programs, especially children's and youth events. But what they actually saw numerically was that the highest rate of salvations came from doing one-on-one -on -one conversations, either through a formal visitation program through the church or through people just having conversations in normal life. And so churches that really emphasize that one-on-one -on -one invitations had a higher baptism rate than churches that purely focused on just doing programs, inviting people to come to programs. Even though in the churches, they found that it was the opposite is what people thought was true. That's my phone telling me it's about to die. So I hope we don't lose Brenda. Um, <laughs> probably should have plugged in before I got here. So just inviting people to church events is not necessarily evangelism. Um, especially if the event doesn't actually share the gospel with like Leanna shared the gospel to those kids. So that was definitely an evangelistic program and VBS. We showed the gospel to VBS. That's an evangelistic program, but just doing something doesn't necessarily mean that it's evangelism. Shaming people, making them feel bad is not necessarily evangelism. If you don't do it, um, just finding somebody who's going to another church and just for the sake of saying, Hey, why don't you just come join us at our church, even though you're already going to a church? That's really not evangelism. Um, just arguing with people. We Apologetics is a study Christians do, and apologetics is helpful, but just arguing is not evangelism. And then uh, tricking people is not evangelism. You can really do this with kids. Um, you know, come up to somebody and say, hey, just it's cold start you'd be like hey just pray this prayer and you go to heaven just repeat right after me right now just do it that's not evangelism and people do that sometimes but that doesn't count as evangelism and with kids it's even worse because with kids you can really push them to make a decision when they're not ready and they do it just because they want the adults to be happy with them and so manipulating people like that to do to say a prayer is not evangelism either because they're not actually getting saved um, we're about to talk about fears. So before we move on to the next, that topic, y'all have any questions or comments about that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but this summer was the first, I guess the first time that I've noticed in the whole house of, of they have uh, the reading Bible and there's a book of Mormon in there too. Hmm. And the Gideon Bible, there's, you said the Gideon Bible has the book of Mormon? The Gideon Bible was in the night. Oh, in the night's hand. Yeah. The, uh, 
Mar either Marriott or Hampton is owned by the of that family is Mormon. That whole there's a chain of them that all are under the same umbrella. They're Mormon. That's why there's Mormon Bibles in all those hotels. Um, in case you didn't know, now you know. Uh, <laughs> we have to keep in mind that we don't save anybody. God. Yeah. Yeah. We just witnesses. Yeah, we're witnesses to what happened. That's right. Yeah, Ray. Scripture commands us to always be ready. Yeah. To give an answer for mm -hmm. the life. So there is a type of friendship evangelism. Yeah. Where people see you, mm -hmm. hear you talk, mm -hmm. and even perhaps hear you give thanksgiving for God's mercies in mm -hmm. your life. And then when, when the time comes that they have needs, they come to you and they ask. Mm -hmm. That is bad. Yeah. But so there's kind of a close line between those Yeah. Things. Yeah. The um the line is you're not you're not doing evangelism while you're just um, living your Christianity in front of them. The evangelism is only that one point where they ask you the question. And there's a lot of benefits to the friendship way of doing it. And there's some weaknesses, just like there's some benefits and weaknesses of going up to a complete stranger and trying to talk to them, too. Um, and one of the weaknesses of the, the strength of the friendship model is people who would normally be turned off against it. They can start changing their mind as they watch you live your life. And that'll change their views of Christianity. The weakness is if you don't at some point approach the question with them, they might never approach you. So at some point that method, you have to take that leap and talk to them, actually talk to them about it. Um, I usually don't want people to wait until they come to you first in case it's too late so, so why do y'all think what do you think so y'all think we get nervous about doing evangelism what things do you think stop us from doing it mark what'd you say fear of rejection from the people you talk to yeah absolutely what'd you say uh that i mean there's no way to discuss Evangelism without that one line. That I mean, with fear? No, the wages of sin is death. Oh. How, you don't have to say it exactly like that, but the bottom line, that's it. Yeah. Now, how could you get that over to somebody? I mean, well, some people need training where something might be easy. You could word it in another way, but it's still the same thing. Yeah. So just kind of fear of not knowing the right words to say. Exactly. Yeah. Fear of not you knowing. You might mess it up and then it won't never. <laughs> fear of messing it up when you try. Yeah. 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 What else? What stops us? Somebody can do it better. See, somebody else could do it better? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or that they'll challenge you on. Yeah. not having the knowledge you're trying to pass on to us right now. Yeah, it's related to what Joyce was saying that, you know, you just might not have the answers that they want. Yeah. If you're just a little bit of an introvert like myself, you might really would rather 
sit quietly and read your yeah. instead of talking to a stranger. Just personality-wise, you might not want to talk to a stranger. Yeah. You know, think about your own life. What, is, what has stopped you in the past? Talking to somebody. No, you should have. Yeah. It's not really a fear that prevents you from doing it, but you definitely can feel regret afterwards if you don't. Yeah, you don't want to bother people. Yeah. Yeah. I find it hardest to explain to them mm. because they really know you. Mm -hmm. And present that they may look at your past or mm. they see all the little bits. Yeah. I, I find the, the cold starts walking up to strangers easier and talking to people I know because of that. <clears throat> Plus, you don't see the strangers afterwards usually unless they want to come to your church. So then if they reject you, you don't really care that much because you're not going to see them again anyways. Prophet is not alone. Yeah. Yeah. People you know know all of your weakness, mm -hmm. know your sins. It's just hard to approach them. Yeah. It's true. Particularly family. Yeah, at least in the bigger cities, people become immune to people coming up mm. and trying to start something with them. Yeah. I know I did when I was yeah. in downtown Atlanta. Yeah. You can't walk two blocks in downtown Atlanta without somebody coming up wanting something. Mm. Who knows what it was, but yeah. So you learn to not look at them as they come approaching you, and you you learn to avoid those. Yeah. Things. So that makes cold start evangelism in those circumstances very difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if there's like my last house, there was Jehovah Witnesses nearby. You know, they go around all the time knocking. So then you look like them when you're yeah. when you're doing that. You don't want to be associated with them. Yeah. Purposely do not wear white shirts if I ever go out and do that for that reason. <laughs> well, let me go through a few and maybe that'll jog your memory of some others that you had. Fear of the unknown. Just, uh, just not knowing what to expect. The solution to that is just the realization that the more you do it, like anything, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. And just not knowing, fear of the unknown, of not knowing what to expect with it shouldn't stop us from obeying any of Jesus's commands to us. Um, you don't want to regret afterwards that you didn't do something just because you were uncomfortable with it. Fear of rejection. You know, we could be especially in cold start, you could have some kind of fear of somebody being just really aggressive with you, like angry, which I've only had that happen one time of all the times I've done it. Uh, and all the different guy was, was he, he said he was going to let his dog go outside. And so I was like, okay, bye. Um, that was, 
<laughs> he didn't he was didn't say it meanly he was just letting me know if i didn't get off his yard he was gonna release his dog on me uh but, but i i mean i that's one i i've probably i've lost count how many times i've walked up to doors that was one time you know um fear of people just rejecting you you know you close to them then you talk to them about it and then they reject you afterwards related or fear that you're the local fanatic the solution to that too is um is to realize that well let's uh, let's look at matthew 10 28 because i think this is a big one so i open up matthew 10 28 Who wants that? All right, Carol. Do not fear those who feel body that are unable to kill souls, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Yeah. So if it comes to people that, you know, if you're fear, afraid of how they're going to um, treat you afterwards, we're reminded that our, our ultimate person of fear is really Jesus more than people. And we should fear what God thinks about us more than what other people think about us. You know, we should be more afraid of God being disappointed in us for not saying something than people being looking at us thinking that we're fanatics for saying something to them. Um, you don't necessarily have to win someone over to evangelize. No. You just get them thinking about it. Yeah. I can't win over it. Yeah, exactly. Well, true. We're leading them. Right. Yeah. And the reality is most people, when you talk to them, if, unless, <laughs> unless you are taking the Bible and like banging them across the head with it and just being really rude about their lifestyle, if you're, if you're respecting them as people and patient with them and, and calm with them, you know, I've never talked to somebody that at least wasn't respectful back. And I've never talked to any close friend of mine that has totally cut off our relationship because I said something to them. Um, so our fear of rejection, I think is larger than it really should be that it, that as long as you're, as long as you're not rude to them, that that's not really going to happen. Like we think it's true. Like we think it's going to, we feel fear of failure. I know somebody mentioned that Jim has brought up several times. The fear of failure is related to the fear that if they don't get converted, then we've failed at our job. But the reality is God's only called us one second. God's only called us to tell the gospel story, he's never called us to actually win anybody. And so we're being obedient just if we tell the story, whether they get saved or not. And so that, so the fear of like not knowing the answers, the fear of not having the right words to say, the fear of, like you said, messing it up driving and, and driving them away. We have to realize that the power of the gospel is in the story of the gospel and in God. And we're just called to be faithful to witness as any best we can. And if they don't get saved, that's between them and God. God does not blame us for it. He never blames us for it if we ever try and do that. What do you want to say, Carolyn? We were just supposed to plant the seed. Yeah. Step back and let God do the Yeah. Um, so go ahead and somebody get 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. Who wants that? First Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. Carolyn, you got it? I got it. Okay, I think it's a good one for you. First Corinthians uh, 3. 5 through 9, yeah. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? 
servants through whom you believe, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted Apollos water, but God was called him to grow. Yeah, exactly. Um, another fear that somebody and Jan mentioned, I know somebody else mentioned related to this is fear of timing, that you're just not gonna get the timing right to it and um, everything is everything's not gonna work out because you're just waiting for the perfect time. Well, the the answer to that is the Bible depicts lost people as really always being in a state of readiness to hear the gospel. Think about the sermon on Sunday where Jesus said the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The picture that Jesus painted was that the harvest is already ready to hear the gospel. We just need workers going out and doing it. And that's how it's pictured elsewhere in 2 Corinthians uh, 6.2. He says, for God says, at the acceptable time I listened to you on the day of salvation and helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So he tells them, he said, now is the acceptable time to do it. Now is the day of salvation for it. So what do we do? You know, we look for opportunities to bring stuff up, but we also can create opportunities. Like I talked about Sunday, you know, talk about their family, talk about their, their religious background, then ask them if they know what the Bible says about heaven and eternal life. And it, Sometimes it's better to create that opportunity than for wait for them just to walk up to you, grab you by the shoulders and say, how, how am I going to get saved? You think about Jonah, when we talk about Jonah, how the, the, the sailor walked up to him and said, how do you save us from this storm? That's never happened to me. I've never had anybody shake me on the shoulders and say, please tell me how I can get saved today. So we need to make opportunities. And sometimes that set process can help. And then we trust God. If you start and you try and God shuts it down. You trust that if God shuts it down, then you know it's not the right timing. But if God continues to let you go down that path and get closer to where you can actually share the gospel with them, then if God's letting you talk to them, then that probably means God wants you to talk to them. He's not going to let you talk to the gospel to somebody if they don't need to hear the gospel that day. He's not going to let you do what you think is good like that and ruin somebody else's life. So sometimes what we need to do is instead of waiting for an open door, we need to see a crack stick our foot in it and kind of push the door open. And if God slams it back shut and go, okay, God, never mind. But if he doesn't slam it back shut, we're like, okay, we know that was a good crack to kind of walk through. Um, and then fear of the past. Um, maybe times in the past you tried and failed or things went bad. Well, past experience with other people talking to you on the street can stop us. And what we do is we learn how they did it poorly. We try to do better. And we do what Paul said. You know, we let go of what lies behind us. And we press forward to what lies ahead of us. Never step away. So, no. It's true. Yeah. The, uh, I didn't have this one written down, but, you know, Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. He told them, if anybody rejects you, and we'll talk, we'll actually have this story this year sometime. It says, if anybody rejects you in that city, dust off your feet because they're actually rejecting God, not you. Yeah. No, I won't say everybody, but a lot of people, especially if you know them, 
and you bring it up, like I said, respectfully and nicely say, hey, I, this is what I believe. And I'm concerned about what you believe. And I just want to share with you what I believe because I love you. And I, I want you to know this. And then you share it with them respectfully and let them hear it. But most people appreciate that you care enough to reveal what you believe to them. And especially something that important, you know, that, that you didn't hide that kind of information from them. Most people, most people and a lot of people aren't going to be turned off by that. They're going to respect you for coming up to them and saying something about it. Especially to purpose it with prayer and then sprinkle it with love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so any other any other comments or questions, fears? Uh, I hope talking about these fears and stuff, one makes you realize you're not alone. <laughs> And trust me, it affects pastors too. For some reason, there's a view that know, everybody wants to get the pastor to talk about it. Like the pastor has no fear of telling people about the gospel. I'm afraid to tell people the gospel every Sunday. I stand up and say it. Okay. I know the Holy Spirit put on my heart. I don't know. But, uh, I was back during football season. And uh, it was after church one day. And I was driving to go back to Hamilton to do the on my team. And I was really hungry because I had needed so I dropped a lot of the McDonald's and uh, in Anderson. And I stopped to get like burgers. But anyway, so uh, I pull through the drive through and I get to the window, and a lady's like, Hey, uh, I accidentally made two of these. Do you, do you want both of them? I was like, Look at that. Like, That's a great day. <laughs> and, uh, and then when I pull out of McDonald's and I'm about to pull back on the road, I look over and there is a there's a man that's that's grizzled, he's got a long white beard, he sat on the side of the road, had all the stuff with him. I'm like, you know what, I gotta get the Jamaican region. Yeah. So I pull over and I go up and I and I, you know, I, I go out and I talk to him, like, hey, you want some food? I was like, you don't believe this, but I just ordered food and, and they gave me extra for free, and I didn't, didn't realize they made two. So I want to give this to you. It was all in the pump up about it. I'm not sure if gospel is in it. He never said that he accepted Jesus in his heart, but that was really, you know, it was a moment I think God set up for yeah. me to witness to that guy. Yeah, absolutely. And then, not only that, I went, when I went to, to my team, and, and I, was, I had to immediately share with them what happened, you know, and I just I got emotional, and I was just sharing that with them. So, you know, I think, you know, God works in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my little people on South Beach, not one of them was, uh, they were all receptive 